Welcome to the Embrace It series, where women with all types of disabilities can be real, resourceful, and stylish. With each episode, you'll walk or roll away with everyday tips, life hacks, and success stories from community leaders and influencers. So take off your leg braces and stay a while with Lainey and Estella. Hi, I'm Lainey, and I have CMT. And I'm Estella, and I also have CMT a neuromuscular disorder affecting approximately 2.6 million people worldwide. That's as many as MS. We believe that disabilities should never get in the way of looking or feeling good. Both of us wear leg braces and have learned through our own personal journeys to embrace it. For more information and exclusive resources, check out our websites at trend-able.com and hnf-cure.org. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button for future episodes and special promos. Um, We are so excited to have a special guest for our grand finale of 2020 on today's podcast. Uh, The fabulous Mindy Shire, founder and CEO of Runway of Dreams and uh, the Gamut Management uh, Agency and a whole uh, slew of other projects. And we're so excited to to have you on today with us. Welcome, Mindy. Hi, Mindy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I didn't realize I was the 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 finale of the year. Yeah. The ribbons is what I say. So thank exactly. you for having me. Exactly. Thank you for joining us. So we we definitely have been wanting to have you on for a while. And you are uh, one of the pioneers of the adaptive fashion world. And I think my first introduction to you was your incredible uh, TED Talk that you gave uh, a few years back mm-hmm. on, the, on just your story and how you started out. Um you know, going from a fashion career to adaptive fashion. And maybe you could give us a little bit of a background of, of you know, how you entered this world and, and what your inspiration was. Absolutely. And again, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's it's truly an honor. And I'm so excited to be here. I wish I wasn't in, in Florida, but you know, <laughs> we're making the most of it. Um, I am, as you mentioned, a fashion designer by trade. Um, I worked in the industry for over 25 years. Um, I'm also the mom of three kids. And my middle child, Oliver, was born with a rare form of muscular dystrophy. And to be honest, I I had no idea what that even meant. Uh, Muscular dystrophy to me was the Jerry Lewis telethon uh, Mm at the end of the summer every year. And that was pretty much the extent that I knew about it. So there was a lot of learning um, as we went in terms of suddenly being a parent of a child with a disability. Um, And one of the um, key pieces that I learned fairly quickly, especially when he started preschool, was that he really struggled with being able to dress himself, use buttons and zippers and put pants over his leg braces, et cetera. And so when it came time for him to start school, um, he basically wore sweatpants and a sweatshirt, um, T-shirt every day because it was the only way that we knew he'd be able to go to the bathroom on his own, Um, which is, you know, I always like to kind of underscore that he's my middle, as I mentioned. And certainly when my older daughter went to school, these are not things you think about. You, You hope that they make friends and you hope that they have a nice teacher and all we really worried about was, was he going to be able to go to the bathroom on mm-hmm. his own? So clothing obviously was a big piece of that. 
But when Oliver came home from school in, in first grade, he said, Mom, I, I want to wear jeans to school. I really don't understand why everybody else gets to wear other things besides sweatpants, except for me. And it was such a aha, kick in the stomach moment that I completely missed. And again, here's somebody that I, I've been in the fashion industry my whole life. I think about what I'm wearing every day, whether people are seeing me or not is completely irrelevant because it's how I like to show up to the world. And I needed my eight-year-old to remind me of the importance that clothing plays in that role. And that basically what he was saying was that he felt like he was dressing disabled as well as being disabled. So that moment was very prolific in my life. It was back in 2013. um, And I decided to have a tiny goal of changing the fashion industry to be inclusive people with disabilities as I started to look into this thing called adaptive clothing that I had no idea what it was. It was nothing anybody spoke about ever in Mm -hmm. 25 years I had been working in the industry. Um, And I just couldn't believe that there were no options. And again, this was back in 2013-14 that there were zero mainstream designers out there or brands that were even dipping a toe in in the water of adaptive. So I guess I have uh, really big dreams that um, and I've never known how to think small. So I guess that worked in my favor because um, I just felt that somebody needed to to do something about it. And so in 2014, I started my dreams to be able to work with the fashion industry, not only to educate them on who people with disabilities are, but to help them understand that they're missing out on the largest minority trillions of dollars of spending power by not including people with disabilities into the conversation um, and really expanding their their customer base. And and that's really the journey that I've, I've been on. Absolutely. Like wow. I, I, I remember growing up in the 80s, there was just... I, I, you know, I, I would come home in tears after back to school shopping and shoe mm-hmm. shopping, you know, like literally go through the entire shoe store and there wouldn't be a single pair of shoes. So I, I'm so glad that, you know, this generation of, of kids with living with disabilities don't, you know, won't have to experience that thankfully to, you know, these adaptive brands or these major brands that are starting to incorporate adaptive clothing. So, I mean, what was taking that first step like? Was it, you know, I'm assuming it wasn't just like smooth sailing from that first phone call. What was it that really grabbed the attention of these big corporations? Because I'm sure they've been approached, you know, to some degree in the past uh, regarding people with disabilities. What was it that really kind of made them rethink incorporating adaptive clothing into their mainstream? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think um, part of the kind of the fortune or luck that I feel that I had was my background of being a designer and having a personal uh, relationship with um, people with disabilities. But I think really what ultimately um, I, I think got my first meeting with the Tommy Hilfiger team is that I I spent a year doing research because I only knew my world with Oliver. I did not know what your world was like. I didn't know what somebody that was in a wheelchair 
full time or Down syndrome or autism or all the the hugely different disabilities out there that I think without that hard and fast data, um, as well as, you know, real information from focus groups and surveys that I was able to speak from, I guess, a, a technical perspective, a now hugely data-driven perspective, um, that uh, and a personal perspective, that when I put that all together and kind of built my business case, I think it was a little hard to say no to that. But what I will tell you is that, um, and certainly if anybody listening is you know, an entrepreneur or you know trying to start a business, et cetera, you know, my first when I first started Runway Dreams, I was a for profit. I knew nothing about nonprofits uh, except for raising money for muscular dystrophy. That was really the extent of my knowledge base. Um, and when I started reaching out to contacts in in the industry, I was constantly kind of given back the notion that, well, if it's nobody has done this before and it's already 2014, then there must be a reason. So mm. great idea, good luck to you and kind of keep us posted. And when you get that reaction time and time again, you kind of have to look at the big picture and focus on what your goal is. And my goal was to change the fashion industry to be inclusive. But my methodology of doing that wasn't working. Mm. So I, you know, realized that I had to find a way to take the monetary risk off the table. And that was to become a nonprofit. So that even if I was completely wrong in my theory that kind of if you build it, they will come type of, right. uh, of thought process, then the, any brand that would go on this journey with me would get a tax deduction. And okay. it felt like the right thing to do. So that ultimately is the reason why then doors started opening once I became a nonprofit, which is was so, difficult, I'm going to be honest, because I, again, knew nothing about that. Yeah. So I think like for our listeners, um, which your story is so incredible and interesting, and I know you hear it all the time about how amazing it is that you have these mainstream designers that are now, you know, Adaptive fashion, because of you, for the most part, is now a word that people use commonly. Hashtag adaptive fashion is all over, you know, Instagram, everywhere, right? And it's almost trendy now to yeah. be a brand okay. who is designing mm -hmm. for people with disabilities. But I want to go back to um, Oliver and how, like, wearing clothing that everyone else wears and that's trendy, how did that how did you notice it affected him and his confidence and how people respond to him? And that's, you know, cause I really, that's what Estelle and I talk about a lot and what Trendable's mission is too. It's like, it takes a lot of work sometimes to look good, to, to put in the effort to do accessories like you do every day to, you know, jeans aren't, Maybe even adaptive jeans might not be as simple as putting on sweats, although yours are. <laughs> but, you know, what did it do for him and his relationships and his confidence and how people respond? Yeah, well, I'm happy that you, you focused on that piece because it's it's really critical to the, the whole mission in that it was an immediate transformation. That mm -hmm. is, and believe me, the first iteration of these jeans were hideous. Any <laughs> proper fashion designer would have been horrified by what I, what I, what I did. But 
it really was the first time he was able to dress independently um, with anything that had had buttons or zippers in it. And I think that's such a key piece to it that not only was it a sense of independence that he experienced, but it was also that he had choice. Mm-hmm. He had choice in what he looked like. And he identified definitely, you know, with wanting to wear jeans. That's that's the look that he was going for. And he was so articulate at such a young age to be able to say, I'm not feeling sweatpants. That is not my jam. And yeah, and I love that he said, which like, I love the point about, you know, I don't, I have a disability. I don't need to, like what I'm wearing right now looks like like a clothes for someone with disabilities. Like, why do I have to wear this? Exactly. You know? Yes. And I think that was, I mean, my jaw like hit the floor mm-hmm. for so many reasons just because I flat out missed it. But second is because it was, I mean, that's how I live my life. How, right. did, it, how did that escape me? That mm-hmm. it, you know, it is every human, whether you are into fashion or not. And I definitely love to, you know, highlight that point that it's, it's not about, you know, being trendy or, but you know, that's for somebody like me, very important for somebody, other people, comfort's important. Um, the color, color or, <laughs> yeah. important. you know, yeah. all, all of those things that, that meld into how you are showing up to the world and how you're identifying yourself, good, bad, or indifferent. First impressions are first impressions. And if you are showing up to an interview looking, you know, like a schlump because that's all that you can physically dress yourself in, it immediately is a reaction you're going to get from the other person and probably how you feel about yourself. And also, as we talk about all the time, it's a common denominator, right? So like in it's awkward in general to make friends as a teenager, as adults. For a lot of people, it's uncomfortable. Compliments, clothes, even like you said, you're not into fashion, a color that's like really, you know, stands out or, you know, like a a sitcom that someone else watches that you're a teenager wearing the t-shirt. It's a, it's something to connect with another person. And, you know, I'm sure Oliver and I know Estella and I, as people with disabilities, like you don't want to necessarily have the very first thing be your disability that people see. And right. when you are wearing things that people can relate to and they like, you have other things that, that remind them, Hey, I'm just like you. Yeah. You know? And it's honestly, it's, it's like an icebreaker, right? I mean, it's right. uh, like you said, it's something that we all have in common. And I love also that, you know, the, the way that the clothes are represented, you know, because we have adaptives, uh, Zappos Adaptive and we have Tommy Hilfiger and all these websites now, you know, they're not on necessarily able-bodied models. They're on people, people with disabilities are modeling the clothing naturally is the way it's supposed to be. And it's, and, and it's almost like the perfect segue for, you know, your other company, um, gamut management, because it's just like, it almost, it, it's like this perfect evolution of, of representation. You have the clothing, but then you also, you need to show the diversity and the demographic, um, in the clothing and how the clothing's used. And, um, and then, so tell us a little bit about how that evolved as well. Did, was that kind of like, um, well, first know. we should tell people what gamut management is. Well, probably. exactly. Yeah. 
I'll let Mindy tell the story about yeah, Max. Yeah, I'm in Yes. So I'm actually, it was born incredibly um, organically and naturally in that suddenly brands started reaching out to runway dreams, even outside of the fashion industry and asking to be connected to people with disabilities, whether that is for commercials or films or in, you know, Delta, for example, wanted to have people with disabilities in their in-flight videos because they want to be the official airline of people with disabilities. And when these requests kept coming in on a frequent basis, it occurred to me that if they're reaching out to a nonprofit, which, by the way, is is not a, a management, a talent management, right. then that must mean that there's a hole in the market. And first and foremost, people with disabilities surely should not be managed by a nonprofit. They deserve to have a, a full functioning talent management company like everybody else. So... Gammon Management was born to really fill that void, but I do use the word talent very specifically because I feel that everybody has a talent, whether that is having a voice in how products are developed for them or surveys or focus groups, all the way up to being in the entertainment industry and and really reframing in the public eye who people with disabilities are and this is really what we focus on um, exclusively. And so we're, I think that kind of separates us for sure from other management companies is that, that we're not, this isn't a division of a bigger company. This is all that we do. The only requirement we have for our clients is you have to have a disability. And that is, um, you know, kind of a, a steadfast rule as this has to be, you know, very much for the people by the people. Um, and that is internally and externally. We actually just hired um, a, a talent manager that has cerebral palsy. Um, and that's like so critically important to me wow. that we have to be, you know, true to what we're trying to do. And that's integrate people with disabilities into all aspects of our mainstream world. Yeah. That's awesome. I love your notion too that everyone is accepted and that your only requirement is a disability and 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 the justification for that you know the way that you guys explain it is that people with disabilities up until recently have not had the opportunity to you know to put their talents out there to act necessarily to sing to speak to model so that this is you know such a huge stepping stone and I just I just love the inclusivity of 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 that and and how you include everyone um because it does give people uh, a different shift in mindset like wait a second i never thought i could do this so i've never necessarily pursued it but maybe now i can you know now look at all the opportunities that are coming up in in movies and film and um you know just across the board so it just i really feel like it opens up so many so many doors I couldn't agree more. And and actually, I just saw um, an interview with um, a black actress. I um, it's, her name is escaping me, and she said something that was so moving and and so relatable. I think to the population of people with disabilities. She said when she was a little girl, she didn't even know she could dream of being an actress because she never mm-hmm. saw any actresses that looked like her. So. If you don't have that visual of maybe that could be me, then you can't even dream about it. You can't even 
about it. And I think it's very much the same for our population that we need to allow for dreaming. We need our world to, you know, in crowd scenes, see people with disabilities in the background. Yeah. Let's let's get some wheelchairs in there. Let's get some limb differences. This is our world and, and the largest minority in our world. And we have got to really rebrand that, really reframe who is being seen in the public eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it needs to be normalized. I mean, I, you know, I recently had a conversation with, you know, in the CMT community, uh, a mother, her daughter was recently um, diagnosed and she's a child model. And she was asking me, I don't know how to tell my daughter that she can't model anymore. And I was like, no, wait, wait a second. First of all, do not tell her she can't model anymore. And then secondly, look at look at what this company is doing. Look at look at Gamut. Look at all these, you know, these kids uh, now with disabilities, you know, front and center stage with, you know, in the spotlight. And I was like, please, please do not ever tell your daughter. And, you know, obviously, and obviously, like the goal, I would imagine Mindy, your ultimate goal would be that, you know, your talent agency, you know, isn't necessarily needed in the future, that everyone is just a model of disabilities or not disabilities. That there shouldn't be fashion, like fashion should be open and and adaptive fashion shouldn't be, it should be like you know, I, I say that to people because I'm like, okay, I, I obviously work with a lot of different brands who you, you know, work with. And I am all for making life easier for people. And if you like some of the adaptive fashion, and I'm using air quotes, people, <laughs> um, like, go for it. But me personally, you know, I want to wear what I want to wear. Like, and that mm-hmm. means anything. Like, I don't want to be limited to what is available for adaptive fashion. So I imagine that that's your ultimate goal is that there is no such thing that like all these designers are making clothes that are inclusive, that people can wear, that you have an option when you go to Nordstrom's or, well, that's actually, they do a really good job, but (laughs) they go to like a place and you're like, you know what? I don't do buttons, but I have the, those with the Magnaretti, you know, like whatever, <laughs> you know, that's what it should be. And what I love about a lot of your clothing is like that you have been working with them and the brands that you work with as a nonprofit is I love that they're, that they feel good. The tactile part of it. Cause I think that's so important. Like sometimes a lot is just made and, you know, people's comfort level is like, it's like you have to choose between comfort and yeah. the style and the comfort is the, is very important too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sweats are comfortable. So you make those jeans to feel like they're, they're I mean, Tommy Hilfiger makes the jeans and you <laughs> too, and you make the jeans, right? Yeah. yeah. It's very accurate. Um, but also the other big piece of it is that it needs to look like what is available in the collection, period. It's- yeah. Whether it is adaptive or not, it has the same style, same fabrication, same look. I mean, that really, again, I, I listened to Oliver. He didn't want to wear jeans that I made him. He wanted to wear Levi's. He wanted to wear what the other kids were wearing because that's what he saw. And that's right. 
And for our listeners who a lot of them wear leg braces, if you aren't already aware, people that like Zappos has um, online now um, the Ugg boots, you know, and like if your teenager is still into Ugg boots or whoever, you yourself, that you can get the exact Ugg boots with, you know, the zippers um, to allow your AFOs and your orthotics to go in. And that's what's so cool to me. It's like, it's not a separate line of just adaptive that this stuff looks like what you would get if you went into the mall, if people ever can, if people can go to the mall anymore. (laughs) (laughs) One day. Does all of our play a part nowadays in, in any of the designs or does, is he a kind of a consultant now that he's a little older? Um, actually he went completely, uh, the other way. So when he was in the earlier days, he was all about it. Loved being interviewed, loved being on TV, loved being in the shows. And then once he hit the teenage years, he told me he would like to retire. (laughs) Somebody else a chance. (laughs) And so he is, he's, he's definitely taking his, he's taking his pension and running. 100%. 100%. I was like, can you take me with you for God's sake? Um, but he is really, he's, he's finding his own path right now. Mindy, um, switching gears for two, a, a minute. Um, can you tell everyone what you were doing or as runway of dreams and what you were doing with your whole, like the outfits that you would wear during quarantine? I know everyone's at home yes. and there's some <laughs> States, you know, right now who people are still indoors and they can't, they're now in the middle of winter. It's depressing. It's hard to think about getting, you know, out of what you slept in the night before when each day is the same. Can you talk about what you did and, and the impact that had and the message? During the quarantine, you could have worn pajamas all day long if you wanted to. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the first day or so I probably stayed in my workout clothes a little long and I was like you know what I really hate this this feels horrible I I love getting dressed every day and so why why wouldn't I so I started um, a campaign on social media called hashtag shelter chic that I would literally dress up in (laughs) full-length sequins gown and do my laundry or clean my toilets or just like have so much fun in thinking through different outfits. I mean, I, I wore this like head to toe green cat suit and, and mowed the lawn. I mean, it was, just was so, hilarious. Hilarious. Um, and it really, um, I hope that it inspired and encouraged people that that little, look, you don't have to wear sequins to your laundry, of course, although I do recommend it, um, <laughs> but just, Getting dressed, that physical notion of putting on something that, you know, makes you feel good, whatever that may be. It gives you the that that sense of routine, which I also think is really important to, you know, keep up with this very different time. Um, and then we actually started a charitable piece of that, that once, you know, if you were kind of tagged to do a shelter chic and post it. We donated money um, to have um, PPE created for uh, facilities that really, really needed it. Masks, gowns, everything like that Wow! Uh, to help that. But honestly, I think, I, you know, selfishly, it, it really got me through some very, you know, long days. And yeah. I looped And you made, people, you made people laugh. 
And yeah. I feel like you guys should be really doing a quarantine calendar countdown <laughs> <laughs> and you should be oh, no. showing those photos. Cause like you have like a great, I mean, that's a great fundraiser right there. That's Sell those that is so brilliant. That's oh my God. Idea, I love it. Lady. A quarantine it calendar. <laughs> no quarantine countdown calendar. And with all of the photos of you doing those each day, cause those were I love so, I mean, the message is, I mean, just when you wake up, and yes, you can wear pajamas every day, but you're right. The routine of just, you know, during when we were locked down, taking a shower, I did at 11 yeah. o'clock. <laughs> then I bought a new face thing, which whatever, we won't even go into that. A very expensive face roller thing. I did that. You know what she did? She saying? got one right there on her desk. She's holding one up the face. <laughs> oh, she did? Oh, I didn't see it. So I That's would do my amazing. new thing. And then, you know, then I put on clothing and then uh-huh. sit on the floor and watch someone on the news and his silly message, you know, things. Like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I won't get not getting political, but that's what we did. You know, like it was a routine and getting dressed part makes a difference because just changing and, and putting on fresh clothes that make you feel good. And, um, you know, it's everything. It changes the reminder. Your yeah. Fashion it's a wonderful reminder. How important it is and taking, mm-hmm. you know, a minute to think about if you didn't have that, right. you didn't have the luxury of, you know, having choice or putting on something that makes you feel good because you physically cannot do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I would say, you know, one of the wonderful, hopefully learning lessons that came out of the pandemic is really having a very clear sense of that. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of empathy came out of the pandemic too. It just, you know, a, a little bit more empathy is as far as people who, who can't leave their home. Right. I yeah. think everybody got a little taste of that and just yeah. the inaccessibility of the world. So what, what are some of the things that you have on the, uh, the calendar for 2021, what projects or that you can speak about, or what are some of your goals? Besides um, making the calendar, besides the calendar. Yeah, besides which, my God, thank God I'm free from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. I'm gonna <laughs> um, we actually are really gearing up, you know, again, I also think it's really important to have that positive, mm-hmm. you know, approach that things are going to get better. So we are planning a show in Miami uh, on March 9th. We will be doing a, a, an in-person show at a drive-in movie theater. Oh, how oh, is that cool? Nobody, you know, it's going to be completely COVID safe. Wow. Nobody's got their cars. Um, but we are, you know, really missing that notion of doing a, a live runway show. So we're taking it on the road and we're going to do it um, in Miami. Um, and then it will. we will have a global launch of it on March 11th. Um, but I'm just, I'm just so excited to be able to get back to some normalcy of what that brings, having models on the runway of really seeing the reaction to having brands show their products, all of that. So that's happening um, in March. Then we're still very much planning to bring back our New York fashion week show in September in New York. Um, Gamut, thankfully our, so busy. With, I mean, not this week because I think the world thankfully took a breath. 
<laughs> but we're getting a tremendous amount of casting calls, which I'm super yeah, excited. That's very exciting. Uh, we have something exciting coming up with the CFDA yes. um, that you're going to be on the panel for. So I'm in one of your fashion shows, by the way. Um, online. I, I'll tell I'll tell our followers about it when I find out more. But the Ann Arbor, Michigan one, I've been in contact with someone from the University of Michigan. I, yeah, so I'm doing whatever they I need me to do, one. I signed away and <laughs> I will do it. <laughs> oh my God, you're going to be, and that's one of our greatest college clubs. The Michigan. Of course one. it it's is, because awesome. it's University I, of Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the college club. So I, I know you have a, a few, right? So we have um about 14 across the country. Um, and we're hoping to onboard at least 10 more wow. by the end of the year. And what I love so much about our college clubs, which is a program through Runway of Dreams, is not only um, is that generation so incredibly socially aware and conscious about, you know, what they want the world to look like that they're growing up in, but they are, they have so embraced um, the mission of Runway of Dreams and also putting on their own runway shows. Um, mm -hmm. This year, the majority of them will be virtual and we did a whole manual on how to have a virtual show, but it, it allows them to engage with students that have a disability, their communities that have, you know, anybody that has a disability to be able to be in the show. But it also, um, you know, I, I love that they approach us that they're like, I can't believe that this is, you know, not a thing in terms mm -hmm. of that there is an adaptive or this has to be special. And if we don't have that motivation in, in, in future demographics, then we're kind of, this isn't going to change our world. So right. having that age group and age groups to follow them is, is probably one of the greatest parts of Runway Dreams that, you know, generations are, are I, I've never felt more sure that Oliver's going to grow up in a world that doesn't see him any differently. Absolutely. Yeah. Planting those seeds, I think, for, for the future designers is so important. And and like you said, th this generation, because I've been working with our fellow uh, alumni there at, at, at FIT on, on social impact, right? And, yeah. and I think this is the generation for social impact. And that's been just like magnified even more so now with the pandemic. But it's not just about profit anymore. You know, I think this generation of designers really understands that you can do both. You can have a positive social impact and still be, you know, a profitable enterprise and give back Absolutely. to the community. So I love that part so much. I think it's something that, you know, really can expand to the mission, the, the, um, just the notion that this is, that, that this should be, you know, standard through every curriculum, especially in design, because that's where the next product, you know, the next product's of tomorrow are made through. So exactly. thank you so much for for planting those seeds and and for speaking with us today and all the incredible work you do, Mindy. I feel like yes. I'm talking to as disability superstar. <laughs> thank you very much. I can't wait to see what you're going to wear tomorrow. So please post. <laughs> thank you. Wait till you see yes. the founder. I'll give. <laughs> I'm going to give all the credit to you. Oh, trendable uh, shout out. Not yes. me. Trendable. Trend-able. That's what it's going to be, like, on the front cover. So say I wouldn't have been oh, my God. Yes. 
Yes. yes. And now, Mindy, and, and just, uh, you know, how can people find you online and social media if they want to learn more about you and, and start and their Runway own club? Dream. They want to donate. They want to yeah. get involved. Please go to runwaydreams.org um, or gametmanagement.com to find out all information about us. You can certainly connect with me through either of those sites or on social media. Our handles are Runway of Dreams and Gamut Management. And that's G-A-M-U-T. Yay. Awesome. Very well, cool. Definitely. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. And happy new year. Yes. <laughs> happy new year. Happy 2021. Yes. Can't wait. All right. Stay okay. safe. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you.